Alrighty. Yes. You got and it's still raining here in South Florida. And the season is over. Welcome back to Brighton and Banter. This is episode nine. This is the second episode of the day. Lots more to discuss here. Transfer rumors, Euro squads, my end of season, Brighton and Banter awards. Don't go anywhere. Have it. All right. Yes. Welcome to the first, the inaugural B&B end of season award show. We are going to honor some of the greats and some of the not so greats from this crazy 2020-2021 campaign and present nine awards. I'm really excited about this. Make sure you tweet at the show, Brighton Banter on Twitter, if you agree or disagree with any of these selections. And we're going to go ahead and start off with the most improved player award. And there is only one candidate. Well, there's, I guess there's two. But this has to go to Rob. The Rob. Robert Sanchez. Now, I did think about Basuma, but we all know the story by now. Robert Sanchez on loan at League One Rochdale last season. Just incredible, taking over first as Brighton's number one and now in as Spain's number three. Just a meteoric rise for Robert Sanchez, and he has a lot of untapped potential, yet still I believe he can be one of the top keepers in the Premier League, especially if he continues to develop his ability with the ball at his feet and work on his distribution. This is, he is scary good. Scary good. Robert Sanchez... Most improved player, fantastic. Goal of the season. This is the second award we're going to do today. Goal of the season, and it's a tie. It's a tie between Eve Basuma and, well, Eve Basuma. I thought about Welbeck versus Leeds at home. I thought about the Brighton team goal finished off by Neil Mope against Leeds away. They hand-bash hit against uh, Preston North End. And that was an underrated finish, by the way. Side foot, half volley into into the corner. Are you kidding me? But Basuma, against either Blackpool, top-ins from 30 yards. And if that was in the Premier League, I, I probably would have just given it to him there. But the half volley against Everton, or I guess it was a full volley, really, against Everton and Goodison, at the end of the game in the, coring, in the pouring rain, chest control and then hit it from 20 yards into the corner. Are you serious? God, what a goal that was. It was in a losing effort, but still. So Basuma... Pick, take your pick, Basuma against Blackpool or Basuma against Everton. Both absolutely fantastic goals. And it's no surprise that the goals of the season, the extravagant goals, are coming from Yves Basuma. What technique he has, what a player. What a year for Yves Basuma. Award number three, and this is not an award you want to be receiving here, disappointment of the season. And again, I'm going to go with a tie. I know that's a bit of a cop-out, but I'm going to select two different things. One was a situation, and then one is a player. Honorable mention also to Tariq Lamptey's injury being one of the disappointments of the season because getting to watch him play is just, it is so much fun to watch, and, and I cannot wait for next season when we get Tariq Lamptey back. But it's a tie. Neil Mope. Neil Mope is the disappointing player of the season. Eight goals plus two assists and 33 appearances. Only five goals from open play. And this was year two for him leading the line. And he didn't improve at all. In fact, he regressed. Why? Because he had two incidents in which he decided to be a total 
rage monster. One, he gets in a fight at training or whatever and doesn't make the match day squad for Tottenham. And then, obviously, you had the Jonathan Moss incident where he lost his cool. He quit on the season. I said it last, last podcast. I think he's a hypocrite. I think he's a bad apple. I hope Brighton move him on this summer. And the other tie, Crystal Palace at home. And, yeah, I don't really want to even talk about it. We all know it's 75% of the ball. Outshot them 25-3. to Loss. What a disgrace. Award number four. And this is, a, this is a cool one. Signing of the season. And, again, there can only be one answer here. And it's got to be Joel Veltman. Less than one million pounds we played to Ajax. This, this is a legendary transfer. This is almost as good as the Pascal Gross transfer. 28 appearances for less than a million. One goal, one assist. Got himself back into the Dutch squad. Just a, a, a shrewd piece of business by Brighton. But Joel Veltman has been absolutely a class professional. What a player he is. Brighton are very fortunate to have him. So really, he's a second-choice right-back. He's also a second-choice you know, center-back. I'm not sure he's going to be a starter next year. But to have him in the squad, to have him around the group, is absolutely fantastic. Award number five, worst signing of the season. And this is a bit unfair, but I do, I do have to give this award out every year. But I think it's a bit unfair, because I do think he is one for the future, hopefully. But the fact that Brighton didn't loan him out and Brighton alone, a lot of players out, and I think they've shown that that, that pathway does work. And they didn't have him in the, the under-23s either, which means, for me, they thought he could contribute this season. That's Andy Zakiri. And, well, he couldn't. No goals in nine appearances. And I'm, I'm hoping next year we're talking about him with a bit more enthusiasm, because for me right now, he looks a long way off. I think he needs a, a, at least one loan spell next season. Maybe he needs a couple years away getting getting quality minutes first team football he's had a great record obviously with the swiss national team but we just hadn't seen that from him when he's gotten opportunities under potter hopefully he continues to develop continues to settle into england and continues to be an option for the for the future all right now we've got the big awards we've got offensive player of the season here i've gone with leandro trussard and I know we want more. We always want more from him. Five plus five and 35 appearances, five goals, five assists. But at the end of the day, you cannot dispute the fact he has been the biggest and most consistent threat. Yes, I thought about Danny Welbeck, but he didn't have the full season. If he had, maybe. But for me, Leandro Trossard is, is getting better and better. And if he becomes more consistent and Brighton can surround him with better finishing, I think 10 goals and 10 assists is a realistic goal. I think he is that good. Leandro Trossard looks a constant threat. When he's in the mood, he's creative, he's crafty, he's, he's, he's taking on players, he's trying lots of things, he's, he's creating for other players around him. We didn't see enough of that this year, but I think it, it's in there. It's in there, and I think he's continuing to get better. I think we saw signs of that towards the end of the year. He, he, he came up with a few clutch goals for Brighton. He's my offensive player of the season, and I'm looking forward to Leo next season. Defensive player of the season. Now, I know it has to be Lewis Dunk. We all know how good Lewis Dunk is, and, and he will always get plenty of love on this podcast, but I've got to give this award to Joel Valvin. 
And this was never supposed to be part of the deal, right wing back for so much of the season. 28 appearances, like I said earlier, less than a million for my axe. He has filled in better for Tariq Lanty than any of us could have ever hoped for. And so shout out to you, Joel. I mean, well done, my defensive player of the season. Now that brings me to the overall player of the season, and it's the man of the hour, Yves Basuma. Focus of all the British tabloids these days, a rumored $50 million transfer out of here. Well, if it happens, he's earned it. Scored some unreal goals this season, as we have discussed. He's a smooth operator in there, and he does it all. He's the best in the Premier League at winning the ball back in the midfield. I, I truly believe that. He has improved dramatically this season. And Potter has really helped his development and his composure, his movement in the midfield. Forget about Brighton. He has statistically been one of the best defensive midfielders in Europe this season, which makes him an easy selection for my Brighton player of the season. And that brings us to the last award, award number nine, Brighton's moment of the season. And, well, it just happened. That's Man City at home. Second to last game of the, of the season. Fans back, down from 2-0. City down to 10, drama, excitement. Tying the points record in the Premier League, it's an easy decision. What a moment that was. Pep, rattled, Pep was rattled. That moment had everything. Have it. So moving on to this year's European Championships, and we have got to have a discussion about the England squad and Southgate and what a tool he is to the FA in England. But first... I wanted to give a quick shout out to the other players who made European Championship squads from Brighton. Robert Sanchez in at Spain as their number three keeper. I'm not sure he'll see any minutes at this year's European Championships, but he's only beginning his journey with Spain. He's got plenty of time to progress, and it's an awesome opportunity for him to be a part of it. And it's great for his development, honestly, so that he can experience these types of things and be involved in some critical preparations and some critical match day squads as Spain looked to make a deep run in this year's championship. Joel Veltman back in the Dutch squad, and I know fans weren't happy with his performance in the Nations League, but he's got to be better than Urien Timber, surely. I mean, I'd be playing Veltman on the right side of that three. You just shipped two goals to Scotland, and what do you think you're going to be doing in this year's championships, huh? I'd be playing Veltman if I was y'all. Ridiculous. Leander Trussard also back in with Belgium. Now, again, it's it. Belgium are just loaded up top. But Leo's been seeing a few minutes coming in mostly as a sub. So hopefully he gets some game time at the championships. It would be fun to see him play. It would be fun to see him score. Belgium have high, aspira- have high aspirations. Excuse me. And I'm sure Leo envisions himself being a part of that. And then Jakob Moder continuing to be a part of the Poland squad. I expect him to get quite a few minutes starting at least some of those games. He's a smooth operator in there, and it'll be fun to watch him play at his more natural central midfield position as opposed to the left wing back, which he has been filling in admirably for uh, for Brighton. But this England squad thing is a joke. I mean, how how is there no Brighton defender in the 26? It makes absolutely no sense from a footballing perspective, but yet perfect and complete sense when you think about what is going on. Southgate is such a tool to the English FA who are complete servants to the hierarchy of this English 
club footballing pyramid. First of all, look at the England generation. You are loaded with elite, young talent everywhere, but especially at the top of the pitch. So what is Southgate going to do? Well, he's going to play a back seven. Oh, my God. And I can laugh about this because I'm a U.S. fan, and we just hired a U.S. Our U.S. men just hired a coach whose MLS team, and we're talking about Major League Soccer here, not exactly the golden standard, had scored the fewest goals in successive Major League Soccer seasons. That's who we went with. And you'll be surprised to know that, yep, guess what? The U.S. struggles to score against well-organized sides, and we play in CONCACAF, so I get it. But at least, at least U.S. coach Greg Bierhalter plays with a four with one defensive midfielder, not a back five with two defensive midfielders like Southgate. Gosh, yeah, England aren't, England aren't going to go anywhere in this tournament. Uh, let's look at this. First of all, you know, I'm ecstatic for Ben White. I'm glad he got his first cap the other day against Austria, but this is a joke. He's not even Brighton's best defender. Connor Cody? Lewis Dunk is just better than him. He is, I mean, Wolves conceded six more goals than Brighton this season. Minus 16 goal difference for Wolves. Calls up their center back? What a joke. Tyron Mings, not an elite defender. How would I describe his passing ability? He's a touchline finder. Uh, Lewis Dunk is a better header of the ball. F five goals as compared to Tyron Mings's two. He's a better passer of the ball. The average performance rating for Connor Cody, 6.17 in the Premier League this season. Tyron Ming, 6.46 in the Premier League. Lewis Dunk, 6.74, the highest out of those three. Completed pass percentage. Tyron Ming, 78%. Lewis Dunk, 89%. Successful tackles. Connor Cody, 71%. Tyron Ming's 80%. Lewis Dunk, 81%. And Ming's actually played three more games. So Lewis Dunk's statistics are, are even that much better. But best, guess what? Ben White was also better than Tyron Ming's complete pass percentage. 83%. So is Adam Webster. This is a joke. I have dug in to some detailed statistics for Lewis Dunk and Ben White and the six center back options that Southgate has. And I'm including Reese James and Kyle Walker in there because that was part of Southgate's explanation for why he took them. They both have experience playing center back this season. So across Europe's top five leagues, and I've and again, like I said, I've included Reese James and Kyle Walker, even though their, their offensive statistics especially are going to be a little skewed because they primarily play as a fullback for their clubs, but we're going to include it anyway. Across Europe's top five leagues, in the goals category, Lewis Dunk, 97th percentile for all center backs. Ben White, 16th percentile, didn't score this season. Connor Cody, 33rd percentile. Tyron Mings, 55th percentile. McGuire, 47. Walker, 42. Reese James, 43. John Stones, 96th percentile. Lewis Dunk, better than all of them. Ben White, slightly worse than all of them. Shots. These are the offensive statistics here. Shots. Lewis Dunk, 96th percentile. Ben White, 19th percentile. Connor Cody, 5th percentile. Tyron Mings, 47th percentile. McGuire, 97th percentile. Kyle Walker, 29th percentile. Reese James, 91st percentile. Very offensive-minded right back, Reese James. John Stones, 56th percentile. Again, Lewis Dunk, better than everybody, except Harry Maguire. Shot-creating actions. So, passes, critical movements that led to a shot on target. Lewis Dunk, 54th percentile. Ben White, 77th percentile. Now we're into some of Ben White's strengths, driving forward 
with, with the ball, passing forward. Connor Cody, second percentile. Wow. Tyron Mings, 30th percentile. McGuire, 79th percentile. Kyle Walker, 34th percentile. Reese James, 86th percentile. John Stones, 69th percentile. Again, Lewis Duncan, Ben White, better than three or four of the players that Southgate went with. Dribbles. This is not Lewis Dunk's strength, 21st percentile, but it is Ben White's strength, 94th percentile. Connor Cody, 32nd. Mings, 36. McGuire, 41. Walker, 80. Reese James, 82nd. John Stones, 76. Ben White, better than everybody in the dribbling category. Pressures. How comfortable are you coming out of your defensive line and pressing the ball? Lewis Dunk, 7th percentile. Plays in the center of a back three, not his strength. Ben White, 82nd percentile. Plays on the right side, very comfortable doing that. Connor Cody, second, second percentile, unbelievable. 98% of, of defenders in Europe's top five leagues are better at pressuring the ball than Connor Cody. Tyron Mings, 13th percentile. McGuire, 6th percentile, not much better. Kyle Walker, 20th percentile. Even though he's a fullback, he's not comfortable pressing. Reese James, 73rd percentile. John Stones, 9th percentile. Unbelievable. Aerial duels won. Aerial heading ability. Lewis Dunk, 30th percentile. Ben White, 9th percentile. Definitely not his strength. Connor Cody, big physical defenseman. Second percentile in aerial duels. He's not even a good header of the ball. Tyron Mings, 63rd percentile. McGuire, very good header of the ball. 95th percentile. Kyle Walker, 69th percentile. Reese James, 82nd. John Stones, 24th. What does this all mean? Well, in summary, it means that Lewis Dunk and Ben White are statistically better in offensive, defensive, and ball-controlling statistics than some of, if not all of, the center-back options that Gareth Southgate went with for this year's European Championship squad. I mean, I'm going to get angry here. This is a joke. Connor Cody is only above the 35th percentile in one statistical category across center backs in Europe's top five leagues, and that's pass completion percentage. Really? 65% of center backs in Europe's top five leagues are better than Connor Cody in everything. And he, he was selected for the England squad. And so what? What are you gonna do, Southgate? Are you gonna tell me that the big club bias isn't real? Are you going to tell me that you picked the best 26? Watch the game, Southgate. Not the crest on the shirt. I can't take this anymore. It's making me angry. I mean, I can't sit back and not say something. Pay attention. Look at these Brighton players. Oh my God. All right, I've gotten that off my chest. I wanted to spend some time talking about a few Brighton transfer rumors that have been swirling around the tabloids, both incoming and outgoing. It's really going to be a fascinating summer this season. I mean, no one really knows how much money any clubs have. And Brighton really have a pretty niche need, I feel like. The squad looks really, really nice. I mean, obviously, there's always decisions about what you want to do with the depth guys in terms of keeping them around or trying to get some some resale value on them or, or whatever. But in terms of the first team, the, the squad is looking really good. Just we all want the classic number nine. Um, but I will say 
that there might be a deal that's already done, and that's for the Ajax number two. Uh, his name is Jel Shrepin or something. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it. A very Dutch name. Uh, young kid. I think he's 21 years old. He's extremely tall, very imposing, six foot six. Really aggressive, like Robert Sanchez likes to command his area. And the reason I say this is a done deal is just that's kind of what it seems like has been swirling around the media. Now, I know the window hasn't officially opened yet. But for a few million pounds, as is rumored, Brighton have a chance to solidify their goaltending depth. And I think this is, this is, this is important because if he can play with the, ball, with the ball at his feet, it's a good signing. I'm not worried about his development because Brighton have one of the best goalkeeping coaches in the game in Ben Roberts. So if we bring Ben Roberts' talent, he will develop it. And Brighton are definitely weak in terms of keeper depth. I mean, after Sanchez, assuming Daddy Ryan moves on. Jason Steele is fine, but Jason's really more of a number three, probably. Certainly for a, a Premier League team looking to compete a little further up the table. So if that's a done deal, I think it's a shrewd piece of business. A couple million pounds, solidify our goaltending depth, bring in another young kid, and let's see what he can do. Now, another transfer rumor that's been swirling around is Alan Velasco. Now, Brighton fans, you might feel like that name sounds familiar, and that's because Brighton were linked quite heavily with him last summer. He's a winger for Independiente in, in Argentina. He plays primarily on left wing, little right wing. And I feel like this transfer seems quite likely as well, again, because Brighton were in on him last summer as well. I know he plays some on the right side, so that's definitely a void that needs to be filled eventually by someone. And if we can get him out of Argentina, then great. I think he's got pace. He's got some trickery about him. It's always hard to really evaluate talent in the Argentinian league because it's just so rough down there. But if he can get the job done there, he's got the toughness. So if he can get up to speed of the Premier League, I feel like he's got real potential. Again, he's a young player. He's an, he's an Argentina international. So he's got that experience of playing with some top talent. I hope Brighton can make this transfer happen. But the one that I'm most excited about, and I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his full name because I just don't know how to do it correctly, but that's Simi. The Cortone striker. Now, Cortone were just relegated from Syria, and he put up some ridiculous statistics. I'm talking about Simi here. He scored 20 goals for a club that only scored 45 total. What? I mean, this is unheard of. And, and if you believe what his agent came out and said today, then he wants to move to the Premier League. So, um... Let me just give some advice here to any of the Brighton backroom staff that are listening to this. Ah, uh, yeah, buy him now. Six or eight million pounds is what's being linked in the Italian media. Uh, steal. I mean, that is worth it just on the off chance that it possibly works out. I mean, in this market, to have a chance to spend less than 10 million on a 20 goal getter in a top five league. I mean, that is, that's, a, that's a chance you can't pass up. Even if, even if Brighton already had a great number nine, I would say, yes, bring that guy in. Because for value, for what it could turn out to be, it's not going to get any better than that. And this has Pascal Gross written all over it, a player who overachieved on a relegated team 
from one of these reputable top five leagues. I'm done with Brighton going into all these strange leagues, Jupiter Pro League, the Everdivisie, the to chase sort of attacking talent just hasn't worked out. Now I watched some of this guy's tape. I watched some of Simi's tape. He's an instinctual finisher, and he is a handful. He's tall. He can head the ball. He drops in short. He's comfortable with his back to goal, brings others into play around him. He's a Nigerian international. Now, there could be an issue with the African Cup of Nations this coming year. Lots of talk about Basuma and what does that do to his value if he's not available for a month of the year next season. You know, I don't know, does that play into Brighton's thinking here? But even if it does, again, to only be able to, to be able to only spend six or eight million dollars should still leave the option open to, yes, invest in this player, bring him in. But also you can go get that high-profile striker, especially if a big offer comes in for Basuma, because surely Tony and the rest of the guys upstairs were already thinking that they were going to need to fork over 20, 30, 40 million to get the right striker that they want. Now, on the outgoing side of things, there is some sad news with Jose Esquerda. And Brighton aren't going to give him a new contract when he's been released from the club. And I, I do feel bad for him because two years out for, for, that, for that knee injury, and he's 28 now, so he's probably lost a bit of his value and a bit of his potential. Again, it's not really his fault. I do have a feeling he will sign somewhere because... Why not give him a one-year a one-year option? I was surprised Brighton didn't give him a one-year option just to see if he could develop and if he could recover because he did show the ability to score goals in the Premier League. Um, but I guess with the pandemic and everything, we definitely probably needed to save on his wages for something else. But uh, best of luck to you, sir. Uh, I will always remember the two goals against West Ham in particular, the one at the Amex, um, what a finish that was right in the corner in the full field sprint celebration, absolute bedlam there. And the one at the London Stadium was also fantastic, uh, just beyond Joe Hart. The team goal he scored away at Stoke City with the little double give and go. What a, what a player. He was a key reason Brighton stayed up that first season. And uh, I'll always have fond memories of, of Jose Esquerda. Hopefully, hopefully things work out for him and he's able to to continue playing professionally. And then there's Daddy. Now, we know that he's probably out unless he wants to stay as maybe the number two, but it sounds like Potter just really doesn't favor him that much. Um, and if he wants to keep his position as the Australian number one, he, which I feel like he really he really cares about that, he, he does need to go out and play first-team first team football. And Arsenal are the obvious choice, given he's been loaned there and, and, and he is his boyhood club and whatever. But interestingly enough, Celtic have actually been linked with him, which which is really surprising because I've also seen that this that this transfer might be a free transfer, which I respect Brighton a lot for for not standing in the way of, of some of their veteran servants and and allowing them to leave uh, without really demanding a whole lot in return if they want to go out and, and and play more regular football. But I was really hoping to get a few million back for him just to raise some cash. Um, but if this is the sign of how poor the market is, like literally poor, then maybe this bodes well for Brighton firstly being able to retain their talent, like like a Basuma, because again, who has the, the 40, 50 million that Brighton will probably demand for him? But then if they can scrounge up, scrounge up just 20 million, you know, they might be able to add a frontman. They might be able to add a, a big frontman for, for less than it might have cost otherwise. 
you know, again, I think just 20 million even could be could be sufficient to pry someone away from a club that's really feeling feeling the strain financially. And then there's Davy Proper. Now we know he, PSV Eindhoven is is where he's probably going to end up next season. We also know that PSV Eindhoven, <laughs> even in the best of times, aren't paying Brighton the 10 million or whatever they're holding out for. Uh, so then, you know, just let him go for whatever PSV can muster. One million dollars, maybe I don't know. But either way, I think you've got to get try to get some value for either Daddy Ryan or, or Davy Proper. Um, you got to get some return for them, I think. I mean, unless Tony just wants to shell out some more coin, which would be very generous of him. But surely, you know, he's had a tough year as well. I mean, Brighton have probably lost 150 million dollars over the last two COVID impacted campaign so to help him out because he's been such a wonderful chairman just to try to raise a few million here and there lighten the brunt for the cost of a striker it'd be nice if Brighton could raise just a few million dollars from either Davey or Daddy anyway that's about a wrap on this episode of Brighton and Banter episode number nine We'll come back and we'll discuss things as they come in live in terms of different rumors, different news from around the club. There's a lot to break down from this past season. We'll do that as well. Stay tuned to the podcast. We're not going anywhere. Have it.